Welcome to the South Dakota Soybean Pod, brought to you by South Dakota Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. I'm Tom Stever, discussing the incredible soybean, the people who grow it, and why that crop is so important. On this inaugural edition of the South Dakota Soybean Pod, we're talking to Jerry Schmitz, the Executive Director of South Dakota Soybean. That would be the South Dakota Soybean Association and the South Dakota Soybean Research and Promotion Council. Jerry, welcome. Thank you, Tom. Well, Jerry, to tee this up, you're one of the first farmer leaders of South Dakota Soybean, and we'll get into that. You're a founder of the organization, but almost 40 years after its founding, you were named executive director. For those hearing this who might not be familiar, give us a brief overview of how you arrived at this point. You know, I always had an interest in soy, and as a board member, just learned about everything that there was, and it never occurred to me that one day that I might be an employee of of South Dakota Soybean, but just happenstance took place where they were looking for an executive director. One of the board members called me and said, would you personally have an interest? And I discussed it with my wife, Sal, and the rest is history. Wow. So how long has this been? It has been about four years. Okay. Very good. Time flies. Time does fly. Well, full disclosure, Jerry, you sent me a photograph taken in, in 1982 at the American Soybean Association Convention, which was taking place in Minneapolis. Now, this is pre commodity classic when the American Soybean Association was meeting on its own. But they were in Minneapolis that year. South Dakota was officially chartered that year. Give us a little background about how it came to be. The association began as a requirement that we affiliate 125 members, farmer members. There was a a representative from the American Soybean Association that had visited South Dakota, and I just happened to meet him at a co-op meeting. And he talked about this idea that rather than looking for the next best crop, why not take the crop that we know how to grow and do as much with it as we can, develop new uses if we can, and in that way create more demand and push price. And that intrigued me. And so we had a discussion afterward, and he said, okay, I would like you to help me affiliate. And I did not know what I was getting into. We actually got together with a few other folks, Mark Berg being one, who was later president and president of the American Soybean Association. And we decided on an ambulance barn in Elk Point, South Dakota, set up four telephones, didn't have cell phones back in those days, and we just started calling farmers, utilizing a county extension agent list. And we were able to achieve, in a week's time, 125 people so that we could affiliate. I have to add to this that Mark recently talked to me about becoming a member of the South Dakota Soybean Association. I have been doing work for the association for uh, 25 years, but I've never actually been a member. And within two or three minutes, the silver-tongued devil that he is, he talked me into being a member. This must have taken some finesse to get 125 members in that amount of time. The helpful thing was that we had some topics that really were of interest to farmers. One was that during that time, there were discussions about abandonment of rail in South Dakota. And we saw the potential with China 
utilizing a great amount of our product and that we were the furthest west. And so we were actually the, the perfect opportunity for moving soybeans west, but we needed rail to do that. And so that was one of the topics of discussion. Another was there was a food for peace program that USDA had. And the difficult part of it was the way laws were, it had to be shipped on U.S. flag ships. And U.S. flag ships were actually not as well kept as foreign flagships in many cases, and they were much more costly. And so it took away the advantage of feeding poor people in foreign countries. And so that was another issue that farmers kind of felt a heartstring pull on. And we utilized that to discuss, hey, the American Soybean Association in conjunction with the South Dakota Soybean Association can have an impact here. And so those were the topics we used. I want to get back to the photograph that you sent me a few weeks ago, Jerry, and this was taken in 1982, as I mentioned, in Minneapolis, where the South Dakota Soybean Association was chartered. Among those founding members was me, a cub reporter, being there to witness the uh, chartering of the South Dakota Soybean Association. Talk about other founding members. You mentioned Mark. Can you think of those maybe that were pictured in that photograph? Absolutely. Ron Hefty was there. And he was instrumental in that he had just a number of contacts with farmers, but also put on programs for farmers because he was a large chemical and fertilizer dealer. And so we utilized some of those events to assist us and utilized Ron. And he actually became the first vice president of the South Dakota Soybean Association. Also in there is Frank Klocek, who has been a senator and a representative in the South Dakota legislature. Frank helped us recruit people and, and get folks in. So it was a united effort. What do you think was the impetus? You mentioned some of these shipping questions that were taking place there, but what was the impetus? At what point did you think we have to have an association of soybean growers? I think it was that during that time, farmers were often looking for the other crop. What can we do to raise a little more money? Small grains, especially in the southern part of the state, were becoming less popular. The temperatures and climate at the time were hindering yields. And so people were looking for something different. Everybody had soybeans. We just needed to do what we could to make them more popular worldwide and domestically. But that was what grabbed farmers' attention. Hey, we already grow the crop. Why should we be buying different equipment for a different crop? Let's push this one as far as we can. Sure. Let's talk about the differentiation between the South Dakota Soybean Association and the South Dakota Soybean Research and Promotion Council, which happens to be the checkoff arm of that organization. What does the association do? The association is pretty much policy. It also helps the checkoff promote the products that we have. But I'm going to go back in history just a little bit. The checkoff in South Dakota was started in 1982, just two years after the association began. Back in 82, we started as a state checkoff. In 1990, then, it became a federal checkoff. And so all monies sent in right now are considered federal dollars. Half comes back to the state. 
that's the promotion side. Because it is a legislative checkoff, the council members cannot discuss legislation, policy, or push an uh, elected official in a particular direction, and that's where the association can come in, and that's why we need members. And that's why they, you have this distinct firewall between the two. We do. We try to keep everything separate. We have a staff, and staff make sure that their time is separated out. Any function that we go to, if it's joint, we make sure that whatever percentage is association, is policy, or is membership is separated out and built separately. South Dakota checkoff, you said that was established in what year? 1982. 82 was the state checkoff. Did you have to approach the legislature about that? We did, yes. Tell me about that process. Uh, That was pretty interesting. The first call I made was actually to Walt Bones' father, who is Walt Walt Bones. Bones. And he was a leader in the legislature. And we discussed it, and he said, you know what, I'm very much for this, but I will warn you, it's going to take you two or three years to get this passed. It's just how legislation goes. And he said, I'll do my best to assist you. Well, we were young, didn't know any better, and we believed we could get it passed in a year. And, And Mark was there. Frank Klocek was there, uh, Larry Dietrich was there, and we chased after every legislator, and we did get it passed that year. We did. And I'm going to make a correction, Tom. 1984 is when the checkoff started. 84, the checkoff started. You have a gap there, 1982 to 84, in which it was chartered, so it was just the association going for those two years. It was, yes. And, And during that time, our office was the trunk of my car. (laughs) <laughs> I would imagine that still you can do just a little bit of business out of the trunk. Of the oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Very good. Why should a farmer get involved? From your point of view, why should they get involved? Our goal is to assist families. And we're talking soybean families, but anybody in South Dakota that has soybeans also has corn. Our goal is to make their families better economically, but also living conditions. And so when we talk about legislation, it isn't necessarily just about promoting the product. It might be about safety. It might be about rivers. We want to do anything that we can, not just for today's farm families, but for the next generation. Well said. How do they get involved? If they would like to contact us at the office, our phone number is 605-330-9942, or they can come to our website, which is sdsoybean.org. We are always looking for leaders, whether that is people that are interested in being on our boards, which takes some time, but it's very valuable. We have nine members on the Soybean Checkoff Council. Those people invest their time, and I can tell you they go back and forth on how best to spend the dollar, and they tear that dollar apart. They want to have the best investment they can, and there's so many areas that we can invest that have a great return. We've had independent agencies actually look at the soybean checkoff dollar and have come back and said, for every dollar that's invested, you are gaining $12 back to farmers. And while that's hard to believe when we look at the biodiesels and the new fuels and the industrial uses that we have today, the Goodyear tires, it's pretty easy to see that that return is there. From the association side, the more that we can do 
whether that's in Washington, D.C., or in Peer, we are rapidly becoming an extremely small part of the United States in terms of population. Less than 3% are farmers today. But 100% of the people need food, and they need to believe that what we're doing is in their best interest. And honestly, the farmers on the land are living in the area that they're producing that food, and they want it to be the best, the safest food that there is. And we need to do a better job of letting people know and inviting people to talk to us about what their concerns are. Let's take those percentages just another step further, Jerry. There are uh, 300 and some million people around us in the United States. It's not a blip on the global population, but just a reminder that those soybeans don't stop at the elevator. No, they move all across the world. There are very soon to be 8 billion people in the world. And sometimes people in the United States will say, well, let's feed us first. We can feed the people in the United States many times over. It's to our advantage, a strategic advantage for peace to assist other countries in helping themselves develop. We have an organization called WISH, which is the World Initiative for Soy and Human Health. We go into poor countries where people need protein. They're protein deficient. It's harming their health. They can't afford very much. And so soy is a way that they can get protein. One of the interesting things about soy is it's one of the few seeds in the world that provides all of the essential amino acids that humans need. We're excited about that, too. You began this journey as a farmer leader, so compare that to now, being a paid office member and having an extra responsibility there as being the executive director. I thought I knew when I came in what being an employee would be. Absolutely did not. It's a totally different perspective, both enjoyable, no question, but being an employee has a different light to it. You want to do the best that you can for all farmers, and farmers are pretty independent, so you have people at far ends of a spectrum, and you want to please them all, and that becomes difficult. Let's do some forward-looking, Jerry. What do you see in the future for South Dakota soybean and the growers of that crop? Huge potential. South Dakota is on the western edge of the soybean growing belt. Our varieties, our field techniques are rapidly changing so that we're growing in areas that we never dreamed we could before. We're getting yields we never dreamed we could before. We're reaching out to countries that we never thought we would have a chance at selling to. But right now, I think one of the most exciting things is at SDSU, they are building a bioproducts institute. And they're going to be looking at any new uses that we can come up with. And any place that there is petroleum, we can replace it with soy. It just takes a little bit of research. Go back to uh, movers and shakers of getting biodiesel on the market because that has been particularly advantageous in giving some demand, a lot of demand, quite frankly, to soybean oil. So give us a little bit about how that came to be and the push behind that that made it real. When we started as an association, oil was a drag on the price of soybeans. The meal we were feeding to livestock, human foods, but we didn't know what to do with the oil. And it was actually the uh, American Soybean Association uh, working with the checkoff that decided, hey, there's a place where we can add this and come up with a biodiesel and move some of that oil out. And it took off. Today, it's even more exciting in that we can use soy oil 100% 
for aircraft fuel. And the government loves it. Uh, it's an environmentally friendly product. Carbon emissions are very low. And it's renewable. We replant it every year. It's a Cinderella product. Where is the future, Jerry? Is it in fuel, industrial products, or is it feeding the world through humans and livestock? You know, it's all of those things. And, and something that often comes up is, hey, wait a minute, you're using your products for industrial uses, and that's taking away from food. And that's actually a misnomer. The more demand there is for oil, the more meal we're going to have, and that feeds the world, whether that's livestock or human population. It's pretty good to uh, represent such an amazing commodity. It is. It's fun. Sometimes it's a challenge. I'll use China as an example. In recent years, we've seen the trade disputes. But we started trying to sell to China back in the 80s. It took 20 years before the first soybean was sold. And we had people in that country all that time. But it was well worth it. We can't just say, okay, we're not getting along with China. Let's not sell. They consume so many soybeans annually. They have no choice. They have to have our soybeans, whether they want to buy them direct or whether it's going to go through another country. That might be a question, but they have to have our soybeans. That brings to mind, Jerry, where... Where's the next frontier? Where is the next China? Probably India. And, and they're soon to take over China in terms of population. It's a little tougher market to crack, but they are interested. And aquaculture is an area that should become huge. And just to give you an idea, the United States imports 80% of its fish and aquatic products. There is no reason we need to be doing that. We need to be growing those things right here in the United States. And farmers can actually grow fish in South Dakota. Jerry, I am grateful to have you as my guest on the inaugural edition of the South Dakota Soybean Pod. Jerry Schmitz is the executive director of the South Dakota Soybean Association and the South Dakota Soybean Research and Promotion Council. We come to you courtesy of South Dakota Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. Be sure to subscribe to the South Dakota Soybean Pod wherever you get your podcasts, as well as at sdsoybean.org. We're also on the air. The South Dakota Soybean Network is heard each week on several South Dakota radio stations. Thank you for joining us. I'm Tom Stever.